And um, uh, about a month ago, I had gone to have the blood work done and so that it was ready for when I went for the physical. And so it was there. And so the doctor walked into the room and he looked at the, the results of the blood work on his computer and went, he said, well, this looks really good. And then he did the rest of the physical, you know, he checks your cough and you checks your blood pressure and all that stuff was really good. And then he went back to the, to the computer and looked at the blood results again. And he said, there is no sign of diabetes here. You don't have diabetes anymore. And um, I was diagnosed with it about three or four years ago. And it wasn't anything I ever was concerned about. I never really prayed about it. I never asked God for healing. I, he just did it. And, and so <laughs> Thursday morning, I was just, and, and, he, and I said, well, can I stop taking the drugs? And he said, well, this isn't supposed to happen. You're not supposed to get cured of this. And maybe I'm wrong. So maybe you should just keep taking the medication a little bit. He said, <laughs> but there is no evidence here of diabetes at all. This, all your results are just where they should be and they're perfect. <laughs> Just wait, I'm not done. I'm not done with you. <laughs> Isn't God good? <laughs> All right. So as I was in worship and knowing that we were going to do this, I want you to pray for anybody dealing with diabetes. Nope, just pray over them. Father God, I thank you that you are a good God. I thank you, Lord, that you are the God that heals. Lord, I thank you that you love us and you want to heal us more than we want to be healed. And, 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 and so I pray for every person here that has blood sugar issues. I pray for everybody here who has the diabetes, who's been diagnosed with hypoglycemia. Lord, I pray for each and every person here that your healing hand would just move in Amen. to their pancreas so that it would start working properly. It would start working well. And Father, if there's anything that they need to do to enhance what you want to do, I pray that you would speak to them so that they can do what you need us to do so that we can receive the healing you want us to have. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Wow, God is so good. <laughs> Thank you, Wayne. <laughs> Had to share that. Wayne sent me that text and uh, was like, oh, this is amazing news. So had to share it with you all. Uh, we're going to talk about marriage this morning. Oh. <laughs> I don't know who was that, that, who that was, but that was awesome. Um, last week we talked about being single and celebrating that. And um, so we, when I went to speak on the singles, I said to the married people, there's something in, that for, in, in this for you as well. And so I'm saying to all the single people this morning that even though we're talking about marriage, it doesn't mean that there's not anything in it for you. There is something in this for you as well. Um, you may be married one day, so this is all good stuff to know. So Father, I just thank you that you minister to each one of our hearts each one of our lives. Father, I want you to say whatever you want to say. Minister to all of us, Father. Have your way in this place. I thank you for your gracing and for your anointing. I thank you for your gracing and your anointing. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right. <clears throat> so marriage was created by God. Marriage is supposed to be a reflection on earth of the relationship that God has with the church. Ephesians 5 verse 32 says, Marriage 
is the beautiful design of the Almighty, a great and sacred mystery meant to be a vivid example of Christ and His church. So marriage is supposed to be an example of what Christ and His church looks like. And so many times in, in the world today, there's a lot of divorce. Um, marriages are ending, like the divorce rate is high and marriages are ending in divorce. And, and God is saying, I designed marriage to look like Jesus and the church, his relationship with the church. And if you know Jesus, he doesn't want to divorce us. Now, I'm not talking against divorce. I'm, I, I, I know that there are situations that happen and, and all that. So if you've been divorced, please don't, um, don't take condemnation with this. But God designed marriage to be beautiful for us, to be a blessing for us. That's what he designed. And so with all the, the divorce rate and stuff, and God has a better way. He just has a better way. And then I was also thinking of that verse of how God designed it to be a picture of Jesus in the church. And I thought of um, Jarrett and I, and I thought of probably like four or five years in to our marriage. Uh, we, yeah, it was about four or five years. And um, I thought about, is my marriage uh, a good reflection of Jesus in the church? And then I had this memory of Jarrett and I, and I was upset with him or something. I don't know. I was upset with him. And suddenly, being upset with him, there was a shoe in my hand. And I hucked that shoe at his head. <laughs> and I thought, is this a reflect? Was that a reflection of Jesus in the church? <laughs> I, I sense have not thrown things at him, I don't think. Have I thrown things at Sheila? I don't think it's a thing anymore. I don't hug things at him anymore. I've grown, praise the Lord. But God is, God is a God of order. <laughs> and so when he, when he put marriage in place, he put it in place with order, with, with um, guidelines that we could follow to have a wonderful marriage. He would never create anything to harm us. So if he created marriage, he didn't create it to harm you. He created it to be a blessing to you. But many times we find that in our society that marriage isn't being a blessing, it's causing harm. It's causing hurt. And I would say that it's because a lot of us aren't following the principles that God put in place for marriage, which is what we're gonna look at this morning. I'm not gonna get to all of them. I'm only gonna get to one, I'm sorry, but I just... <laughs> That means you have to be here next Sunday. Um, I didn't do it on purpose, I swear. Genesis chapter 2 in the King James Version says, And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. We read this last week, right? So here is, in this, in this verse where he says, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, they shall be one flesh, and they were both naked, and the man and his wife 
were not ashamed. This was the first commandments that God gave of marriage. This was the first thing that he spoke in the Bible that we can find the commandment of marriage. And we're going to break it up. But this is the first thing he spoke. He spoke this about marriage, not just to Adam and Eve. Why do we know that? Because Adam and Eve had no mother and father. So he was saying in the verse, man shall leave his mother and his father. Adam and Eve didn't have mother and father. So God was speaking a command and putting principles in place for marriage. Okay, we following? All right, okay. I can't see you, so I don't know if you've all left or if you're sleeping, I don't know. So the verse says, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. So the first, the first principle that God puts in place is your spouse should be your first priority. After God, your first priority. So what God was saying in this verse is say, okay, traditionally, a mom and dad, they were it. That was mom and dad, they were the priority, they were it. And then you get married and God's saying, okay, so now we have a shift of priorities. Mom and dad are not your priority anymore. We still honor them. We still love them. We still respect them. I mean, we don't hate them once we get married, right? We, we have a shift of priority. You are my number one. I'm putting you first. After God, you're it. Your children are not your prior first priority. Women, we have a tendency because we have a nurturing gift in us to put our children above our spouse. Husbands, work is not your priority, not your first priority, your spouse's. Men, we have this need, we, suddenly I'm a man, I don't know, I'm confused. <laughs> you have this need in you to provide. And so you, you go and, and you want to put work as your first priority so you can provide your, for your family. It's not, it's not, how do I say this? It's not bad things that jeopardize your relationship usually. It's, it's your priority. You're, you prioritize things wrong and that's so like, and that's what causes issues in the marriage. So you put your children first, you put your work first, you put your extracurricular activities first, whatever it is that you put first, I promise you it will start to cause a breakdown in your relationship because the way God designed it was, my spouse is my first after God. So your children, they're not your first. They want to be your first. Oh yes, they do. They want all your time and all your attention. That's what they want. But you need to train your children that, that, that my husband, your dad, he's my first priority. Your kids will leave one day. And if you haven't invested in your relationship with your spouse, you husbands, you'll be retired one day. So you've got no kids, no work. And if you haven't worked on your relationship, it isn't gonna be that, it's not gonna flow that smoothly into it so you train your children my kids know that at a certain time every single day go away go away go to your room it's bedtime don't bother us this is our time we're, we're spending time together almost every day 
So we know if I'm out and if Jarrett's in the garage at the exact same time, we are congregating together in the living room. We just know it's our time. And, it, and, and, and we're jealous over that time. Because why? Our relationship is first. It's my first priority. So you teach your children this, like, you know what? This is our time. You need to go now. Go hang out in your room and shut the door. My dad used to do that with me, except it was like at eight o'clock at night. <laughs> go to your room. It's like, what am I supposed to write in a diary and do all those things? <laughs> but um, ours is a little bit later than that. But we have this priority. But then there's other things that you can do that you make your spouse a priority where you go on walks. Um, Go on vacations together if you can, or short vacations, do picnics, do something that says you are my priority. I'm spending time with you. Protect, protect. You have to protect the priority of your marriage. Protect the time and energy to serve your spouse. You have to have energy to serve your spouse. So I know that some days you come home and you're tired. And like there's some days I come home and I'm like, I got nothing. I don't even got words to speak. I don't, we get that. There's that, right? But you need to protect the energy. If you're constantly tired and you have no time for your spouse, you need to figure out what you need to do to, to fix it. Go to bed earlier, I don't know. I don't know what you have to do, but fix it so that when, when you come, you are serving, you have, you have energy to serve your spouse, energy to spend time with your spouse. These things are important. So you protect the priority by having energy to serve your spouse. And now some of you are hung up on serve. <laughs> Hold up, serve? What does that mean? Yeah, we're supposed to serve our, that's why we're there. We are here to serve each other. You serve me, I serve you. Marriage is a sacrificial relationship. So always enter into a relationship with giving in mind rather than getting. The best relationships are two servants in love. The worst relationships are two selfish people in love. Always, what can I get from this? You're not giving me what I need. No, I'm here to serve you. We'll talk more about that next week if you're hung up on it. <laughs> the problem with many marriages is selfishness. Not recognizing that you are here for the other person's need, not just for what you can get. Marriage works because you serve each other. You can't meet your own needs and they can't meet theirs. You are marrying each other to meet each other's needs. So when, when you stand at the altar and you say, I do, you are saying, I'm not looking anywhere else. You're my one and only, which means I can't go anywhere else to get my needs met so I can only get my needs met from you. So if they can only get their needs met from you, then I hope you're meeting their needs. 
because they're making this commitment, I'm making this commitment, they're making this commitment that I'm not gonna, I, I, you're it. So if you can't meet your own needs, then I'm it. I'm the one. I'm not just talking about sex. <laughs> I'm gonna talk about needs right now. What do women need and what do men need? Now, first of all, we have to understand that men, women do not think like you. We are different. We don't understand you the way you think. Women, we don't think like men. Men, we have two different ways of thinking, two different ways of working, two different kinds of needs. And what's beautiful about it is the two of us come together and we have a whole brain. <laughs> Right? I complete you, you complete me. We just talked about this later. Nobody completes you, I know. But we come together and we have, we have both sides of the spectrum. That's what makes it so beautiful. But, but we don't, I will never work like a man. A man will never work like a woman. And so we have two different kinds of needs in a relationship. And when I talk about needs, I'm not talking about wants. It's not something that a woman wants when I talk about it or what a man wants, it's what they need. I have lots of wants, shoes and purses and all those things. <laughs> those are wants, those are not needs, but I do have needs in a marriage that are important. So if you have a amazing, beautiful car in your parking lot, $500,000 car, do cars cost 500,000? Yeah, there are some cars, okay. $500,000 car, sitting in your driveway and it can be the most beautiful car it can drive super fast just be the best car but it has a need do you know what that need is gas if you do not put gas in that vehicle it will not run it won't run at all you need gas right it's a need marriages have needs Men have needs. Women have needs that need to be met by their significant other. So, we're gonna start with what women need. Ephesians 5 verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water, washing of water with the words, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. And because we are members of the body. Women need to be loved. We need to know that we're loved. This is really important to us. And so one of the ways that we know, one of the needs that we have is we need to feel secure. We need security. And when I say security, I don't mean like that you, you know, that you install a security system or we know that you'll punch somebody out. That's cool. <laughs> Those are good things. <laughs> But when I mean security, I mean that I know that, you, that, that you've got me, that you're going to protect me, that you're taking care of me, that you're watching over me. I need to know that, that, um, that in every little detail, that, that you are making sure that I'm taken care of. Financially, 
I'm not saying that women don't need to work. I'm not saying that. I just need to know that you are taking care of me. It's not that I couldn't take care of myself, but what I need is to feel secure. That you care about what I'm, what I'm saying, that you care about, you just every aspect, you care. And the other thing that women need, this is a good one, affection. And all the guys are like, I can do that, yeah. Non-sexual affection. <laughs> Yeah, non-sexual affection. So what we need from you is that you come and you give us a kiss on the cheek and you walk away. <laughs> give us a hug, walk away. <laughs> Tell us that we're pretty. Give us little compliments, but non-sexual affection. This is really important to us because I'm going to be real with you. We don't want to just be thought of as as sexual, we want to know that we're just, we're not just sexual to you, that there's more to us than that. Girls, yeah, you got me. <laughs> so non-sexual affection, that's really important to us. The next one is a big one, communication. Communication. So we, we want to we want to be able to talk with you. We want to be heard. And so Jared will go out sometimes, he'll go out with his friends and they'll go out for lunch and he'll come home and I'll be like, so what did you eat? Well, what did they eat? What did your friend, so who all ate what? Right? Who all, what'd you talk about? Did anyone laugh? What'd they, what'd they say when you said that, right? And guys just want to be like, we were there, we went here, done. I want to know everything. I want to know it all. And I know this is painful. <laughs> I know it is. I know it's painful. Sometimes, Jared, you know, when I'm even talking, Jared will be like, get to the point. <laughs> Where are you going with this? I'm about to explode. This is how, this is women. This is how we are. And remember I said at the beginning, men, you don't think like women. We don't think like you, but this is very, very, this is one of the most important needs of a woman. And so we want to be heard. We want you to listen to us, but we want you to talk to. So not only do we, do we want you to hear us and to spend time talking with us and make sure that you go into detail about things. Yeah, this is a need. Remember, not a want, this is a need. So we want you to talk with us. We also want you to open up. We want you to open up emotionally. We need that. We need to know what you're thinking, where's your heart at? And I'll let you in on a little secret. If you open up in communication with a woman, she will open up sexually. So, you're welcome. <laughs> I see the men taking notes suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> but, she, but she will this is super important to us uh, we don't always need you to fix it men so if we're communicating with you and you are like I'm listening I'm doing it we don't always need you I know there are many times where I'll begin to unload on Jared and I'll be like and then this and then this and then he'll be like I don't know like 
then we'll quit or then I'll go talk to him. And I'm like, no, don't, please don't do that. Don't do that. That's, I was just saying, if we need you to fix it, we'll tell you. But what we really just need is for you to understand and to listen. Okay? Women. Um, if your man begins to open up to you emotionally, keep it to yourself. If he begins to trust you enough with his heart to talk to you, do not call your girlfriends or your sister or your mother or his mother, dear God. <laughs> don't, don't. Because he is trusting you with something very intimate to him and he's beginning to open up. If you begin to talk about it, he will shut back down and you will have a hard time opening back up. Jarrett wanted, he will have, him, have a hard time with him opening back up. Jarrett wanted me to talk to you guys about this, <laughs> to the women. <laughs> this is what he said. Um, let me, exactly what he said, just wait. <laughs> We're not mind readers. <laughs> <laughs> are not mind readers. If something is wrong, you have to tell us. He says, if you don't tell us, we think everything's fine. You have to, you have to tell us what's going on. So if you're upset and you're offended, don't assume they just know what's, what, what's up. Um, there, there's been many times where I've given Jarrett the silent treatment women know about this well um, but Jarrett's very smart so the silent treatment used to work really well in our marriage it just worked for me <laughs> he would chase me around like what's the matter and is it this is it no uh, and I really liked it until after a few years it turned on me right and so now if I give him the silent treatment which I try maybe once a year give or take and so I'll, I'll, it's turned on me so I give him the silent treatment and he will ask one time what's the matter and I'm like nothing and he's like all right then if you're going to be silent I'm going to be silent too and so then he gives me the silent treatment oh my gosh and so then we're both so stubborn so for a whole three days we don't talk to each other you know, until one person caves and says, I'm sorry, uh, you know, and this is what's actually going on. But guys don't know what's going on. Girls, we have this ability to know. It's like intuitive. We know something's wrong. We can feel it. Some of us even know exactly what's wrong. Guys don't have that. Not all of them. Not most of them. It's just, it's just blunt. If something's wrong, you need to say it. So don't assume. I remember one time God, um, maybe Jert and I were fighting. I'm not sure. Uh, but I wasn't talking to him. So uh, we were clearly fighting. And so I was, I sat down. <coughs> I sat down. And I remember I was offended at Jared for something and I was getting more offended at other things because I was offended with one thing. It's how it works. And I remember God saying, have you told him? Have you told him that you're upset about this? Well, no. And then I remember God saying, you're not playing the game fair. You're offended about things you haven't told him about, 
but you expect him to change? That's not fair. And I remember having that moment as I will, to the best of my ability, always speak what, what I feel. I'm not gonna be like, I, I feel like, you know, it, it'll be in moments where we've chosen to be like, I need to talk to you. This, this is what's bothering me. But I'm not gonna hold things back. That's not fair. You're not doing your relationship any good if you are harboring offense and you haven't spoken about it. That's not fair. This is your significant other. This is your priority. This is your number one. And you're holding things? It's not fair. Don't do that. <clears throat> Last thing that women need is leadership. Not dominance. I'm not talking about dominance, and we will discuss that next week. Not dominance. We need leadership. We need men that will take initiative. That when you and I sit down and we make a decision together, that you're the one that leads it in the forefront. I got this, let's go. You lead our family, you lead our spiritual life, you lead the things. We decide it together, you take the initiative. It, it's a really insecure feeling for women when, when we see you not doing anything not leading because then we feel we have to. We have to carry the family. We have to carry the kids. It's a very insecure feeling for us. Take the initiative, lead. Okay. First uh, Peter three says, in the same way your husbands live with your wives in an understanding way with great gentleness and tact and with intelligent regard for the marriage relationship. You see that? Live with your wives in an understanding way, with gentleness and tact, as with someone physically weaker since she is a woman. Show her honor and respect as a follow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. So he says, live with her in understanding. In this verse, it says that you two are equal. You're equal in the heirs of grace of life. But then I wanted to point out where it says that the women are physically weaker. We may be not as strong as you, but we are not weaker. We're not, we're not weaker in, in our minds or in our spirits. We're not weaker. We're equals. But actually what that word weaker means, it means feminine. And if you go deeper, the word feminine means like fine china. So what God is saying in this, men, what God is saying is they're like fine china. So you handle them carefully. You're gentle with them. You take care of them. You protect it. That's what God is saying. But you know what he says? Look at this. Men, you do this, honor and respect her as fellow heirs of life so that your prayers will not be hindered and ineffective. God's so serious about how you treat a woman that he says, if you don't treat her right, I won't listen to your prayers. This is what it says. You can't disassociate the way you treat your wife with your relationship with God. It's the same. If you're mistreating your wife, your prayers are hindered and ineffective. That's what the Bible says. So God's, God's not playing around. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church who gave himself for the church. All right, moving on. What do men need? 
I thought I'd hear cheers. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I'm not a man. And so I'm not pretending to, you know, speak from experience. But I have done research and I have spoke with my husband. We, we discussed it. I spoke with some other men that I respect and, and we talked about it. I said, do I have this? Do I have it right? And they agreed. So if I'm missing something for you, I apologize. But, but this is what I've come to understand that this is what men need. So men, I hope that I do well for you, okay? Ephesians 5, verse 33 says, However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see to it that she respects her husband. Honor, men need, again, not want, men need honor and respect from you. That you honor and respect them. He doesn't need another mom. He had one. He needs to be praised. And women that may be like, what? This is, this is what he needs. He needs to be praised. One of my biggest pet peeves is when women tear men down. Ugh, men. Well, you know men, they're stupid. You hear that a lot in the nail salon. <laughs> you do. Charity, it's Charity saying it about Jordan, but I mean, you hear it a lot. <laughs> I'm kidding, that's not true. It's not true, everybody. <laughs> but men need to be praised. They need to know that you think that they want to be superheroes. They, they want to be, be your protector. They, they want to be praised and respected. So you, it's not that they, they don't want to hear I love you all the time. They want to be praised. You're amazing. You're awesome. I, I just see greatness in you. You're so strong. <laughs> Men need to be honored and respected, not talked down to. Even if he isn't showing up in all areas of life, honor the man you want him to be. In 1 Peter 3, it says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word, but by the conduct of their wives. Do you see that? Even if they aren't doing good, they could be one by the conduct of their wives. When they see you respect your respectful and pure conduct, do not, let you, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of your hair, the putting on of the gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. This is, men don't need nagging wives. That does not help them. That does not cause them to rise up to the challenge. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs 21, 19, it says it's better to live in a desert than it is to live with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. Proverbs 27, 15 says, a quarrelsome wife is like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. Another, another one says, uh, it's better to live in the corner of a house uh, than to live with a nagging woman. I would almost think that maybe women are tend, 
to be led to nagging? Maybe. I've never done it, but probably you guys have. <laughs> but, but nagging isn't helping anything. If you're, if you're constantly talking, he says, it's, it's, better, it's better for you to live in a desert. So women, if you're nagging all the time, your, your man will close his heart. He will close his heart to you. Because men need respect and honor. So you respect and honor the man that you want him to be. Because if you're nagging all the time, you'll find them in the corner of a house. Wait, that's not a good place. Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as it fits the occasions, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Listen, it says, when you allow communication that is good and building up, it causes grace to enter in. It causes grace for that person. So if I'm speaking to Jared and I'm building him up, even if he's not doing all the things that I think he should do, I'm, I'm causing grace to enter into his life. Do you see that? This is with anyone. So if you begin to speak to how God sees that person, even if they aren't operating the way they should be, if you begin to speak, grace enters into their lives to begin to rise to the challenge. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ, uh, as God in Christ forgave you. Treat him better than he deserves. Now this, why would I do that? Why would I treat him better than he deserves? Well, Jesus treated you better than you deserved when he died on the cross. And we're to follow Jesus. We're to follow after Jesus. Mar marriage is supposed to be selfless. This is a quote that I heard from somebody and I, it's from a man that I respect a lot. He said, honor and respect is so powerful to a man that he will change his behavior to the person giving it to him. It's so powerful to a man that he will change his behavior. So women, no scorekeeping. The next thing that a man needs is support and friendship. Champion them, cheer them on. Tell them that you're proud of them. They need your support. What can I do to help you? Come alongside him. The other thing that he needs is friendship. And not friendship like long walks and long talks. <laughs> not friendship like let's go for coffee and talk and talk about all the things. Those are good. We talked about women need communication, but that's not the kind of friendship that men have. Friendship for men is usually around doing things. What do they like to do? Do they like to fish? Do they like to, what do men like to do? Fish, hunt, golf, all those things. They, they want a friend and, and usually they want to work in the garage and work on knives or artwork. <laughs> they want you to come alongside them and be their friend. 
And so what will happen in those moments if you are being your friendship, you'll find that they'll begin to talk to you because they usually talk over doing things, over stuff happening, working on cars, sit in the garage, just visit with them. They're looking for a friend. And now the moments you've all been waiting for, men are like, if she doesn't say it, I'm leaving this church. <laughs> men need sex. Word. Not a want. They need sex. Women need communication. We need to be talked to. It's one of the most important things. Sex is very important to a man. They need it. And remembering this is their need. So we talked about this at the beginning. If a man comes and he is devoting himself to you, I'm not looking anywhere else. You're it, you're my one and only. And you're withholding sex from him when you're being the one that's supposed to meet their need. Women don't withhold sex from men. It's what they need. Amen, men. <laughs> and they say that 20% of women have a higher sex drive than men. 20%. So the rest means that the majority of men have a higher sex drive than women, ordained by God. Men need sex. Don't withhold it. And I know that there are times, women, I know, I know, that there are times where you're exhausted. I, I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying constantly withholding it from them, recognizing this is a need for my spouse. They need this. This is how they feel close. This is how they feel connected. Men need sex. 1 Corinthians 7. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal, conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another. Do not deprive one another. I'm here for you, you're here for me. The next thing that a man needs is domestic support. So this doesn't mean that a man is, or that a woman is just to take care of the house and the man does nothing. You can share um, household chores and all those kinds of things. What I'm talking about is making a house a home. Women have an ability to make their house a home. Make it feel loving, make it, make it feel comfortable. Men are looking for that. And the last one, uh, for men, Jared added this. This wasn't in any research, Jared added it, was food. Men need food. <laughs> I read them all to him, I'm like, does this sound right? I got, did I get them all? And he said, and food. Okay, <laughs> put food. Men need food. Even if you can't cook, apparently, men need food. So those are, those, are, those are some of the things that women need and some of the things that men need. Remember, these are needs, not wants. And a lot of times when I, or Jarrett and I, even if I'm frustrated myself and he doesn't know in the marriage, 
I will begin to go over the list of what do men need? Because if I'm frustrated with him, is it because I'm not meeting his needs? And men likewise, if you're frustrated with your wife, are you meeting their needs? Because meeting their, meeting their needs, these are needs. This is absolute given by God needs. Like a flower or a plant needs sun and needs water to begin to bloom and to begin to grow. That is placed in my hands whether or not my husband will bloom or grow if I'm fulfilling his needs in our marriage. And likewise, so if I'm frustrated with him, could it be? It's not always, because we all have free will and, and choice and all those things. Uh, but could it be that I'm not meeting his needs? And so maybe I need to up my level of respect. Have I been disrespecting him? Have I been knocking him down some levels? That's usually my weakness is I just hone in on what needs to be fixed and I'll begin to poke at it, but it actually doesn't help me any. It brings him down a couple levels and then I get more frustrated because he's not rising up to the person that I want him to be, but I have actually created that. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I always will check, am I doing what I need to do? Very important. Um, and I'll end with this, and, and we'll talk about, there's four other, three other priorities. I'm sorry, not priorities, laws of marriage. Today we were talking about the priority, putting your spouse first and their needs first above anything else besides God. So when we live these things out, it develops trust in our partner. When we live out meeting their needs, knowing that Jarrett knows that she, she'll meet my needs. That, that if I have a need, I can, I can trust her with that. And, and the same thing as me, he'll meet my need. He's gonna protect me. I'm gonna go to him. I know that I'm protected. I know that I feel secure. He's gonna lead our home. I, it builds trust. I can trust my husband. And trust is the, is the most important part of a marriage. And a woman trusts a sacrificial man. And a man trusts an honoring woman. If you're going to have intimacy in marriage, you need trust. So God created marriage and he created laws to protect it. And we follow, when we follow these laws, it is the safest, it will be the safest relationship on earth when it's done right. When you, follow, when you follow the right laws, when, when you follow what the principles that God put in place, you can have the best relationship, you can have the best marriage, but it's always about following the principles that God puts in place for marriage. Because He wants it to be a blessing to you. He wants it to be good for you. So I'll say this, Courtney, as you come. Um, if you go home, and for, this is for the spouses here. If you go home and your husband or your wife is like, so is this, you know, am I doing good? Or are you upset? Be honest, be honest with them. This is, 
This is, this is a, a moment to be like, you know what? I, I am frustrated with this. I, God's taking us on this place because He wants marriages to be healthy and He wants marriages to be good. So be honest with, with one another. Have that talk with one another. I'm not that happy in this area. I'm frustrated with this. Or, or you could work on this. You could work on your communication skills. That would be great. <laughs> Maybe we could talk more. You don't have to be rude. You don't have to talk down to them. But if it's that moment, be honest. Talk about it. Have that conversation. Because God wants marriages to be a blessing to us. Amen? Amen. Courtney? Good message, Pastor May. Thank you. Another, just as I was sitting there, another thing that a very important relationship in our lives that we need is our relationship with Jesus.